Hello and welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. This is Bakari Sellers. I guess I'm a special guest host today. And I want to let you know that I host the Bakari Sellers podcast. But today's very special guest on the NFL Show is my good friend, Sean Watson. We talk about absolutely everything going on from being a young author, being a black quarterback. We talk about the movement and protest and what we should expect from COVID in the NFL. Join us. Make sure you download and subscribe to the Bakari Sellers podcast. Welcome to the Bakari Sellers Podcast. This is the first debut show. And Deshaun, I never thought I would start my um, debut show by apologizing. I got to apologize to you. Why is that? For three years, I just talked cash money shit about you at Clemson, man. And y'all just, I'm, you know, I'm a big game cop. Oh, that makes sense, Dan. I, I <laughs> man, and y'all, you, you dog walked us three times. Talk to me real quick, though, because I remember the best game I've ever seen you play was 2014, and you beat us with a torn ACL. You remember that game? Yeah, I do. I do. How did you end up playing in that game? You you literally tore your ACL, set out, and came back and beat us. Yeah, man. It was just literally, I, I kind of go back. It was Georgia Tech. I kind of, you know, tweaked my ankle a little I mean, my knee a little bit, um, and they told me I, I tore it. So those two weeks, man, I was like, man, I can't play against South Carolina. Like, I, I promised Coach Sweeney, like, as long as I'm here, I'm not losing to the Gamecocks. I Come on, change. man. <laughs> I, I just knew it was it was nothing against, you know, the the quarterback, you know, Cole uh, or anything like that. But it was just like, man, I got to be out there. I know I had the the energy to, the, you know, rally the guys together. And so I just kind of, you know, told Coach Sweeney and the doctors and we had a meeting. It's like, man, if you can go out there and make plays, embrace you up and just protect yourself, you can play. So that whole week, I went with the twos. I went with the twos. They were watching me. I was running the ball. I was, you know, was juking, spinning, everything. So they were like, that Saturday, I was like, all right, well, you're going to start, but we're not going to say anything right, in, right until the start. So it was cool. Man, that game, that game broke my heart because I want to start off because, I, you know, I want to talk about your time at Clemson and talk to me about you being a transformational figure at Clemson. Because before you got there, Clemsoning was even a word, right? And it's no longer. I mean, you completely change the way that people acknowledge Clemson football. When you look back on your career, how does it feel to see Clemson now annually competing for the national championship based in part on what you were able to do for the program? That is dope because, you know, I committed to Clemson when I was like 15 years old. So, like, I was through the whole Clemson. I mean, when we lost to West Virginia by like Man, West Virginia, West Virginia is still scoring <laughs> touchdowns on that team, man. That's what I'm saying. Everyone, you still want to go to Clemson? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going I'm to I'm help change it. I can feel it. I can feel the energy that Coach Sweeney is building in the culture. So, you know, I stuck with it. And uh, for me to get, be able to go there and bring the people along with me, man, it was awesome. And uh, for me to, you know, those two years, two and a half years I was there to be able to change what, you know, the university is now, you know, it, it feels good to be a big part of it. Man, you you changed the whole program. I mean, y'all weren't to beat that team with uh, Melvin Ingram, Steph Gilmore, and Alshon and and but Clowney and them. But you y'all wouldn't beat them. But you know whatever. I know Clowney told you that in the locker room, right? Yeah, we used to we used to always go back and forth. He, <laughs> he gave he gave me some respect. You know what I'm saying? He was just like, yeah, man, if you was on that team, you know when we was there, you know it would have been back and forth. You know he was still would have said they would have came out on top, but he said it would have been sure. a good game. Man, talk to me real quick because you were able to crack the code. And we want to talk about stuff going on right now, but I was just so enamored. Coming from Gainesville, you lived, and I was reading your book, Pass It On. You got a new book coming out, man. Yeah, I do. When does it come out? Uh, September. Uh, I want to say the exact date is my birthday, September 14th. Uh, but, you know, still sometime in that, that September, either the week before or on my birthday. 
Man, I just had a book come out, man. It feels good. When you when it, you're gonna be nervous, but when it comes out, man, it's a special feeling. You got a chapter in there talking about where you come from. Never forget where you come from. And I don't think a lot of people know that in Gainesville, you grew up in what was it, Harrison Square? It was government housing in Harrison Square. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about how it feels to go from Harrison Square, never forgetting where you came from, to running down that hill at Clemson. I mean, it was crazy. It was like a it was like a movie. Ever since I graduated from Gainesville and, and took that next step to go to a four-year college and play big national football, uh, I mean, that's what we used to always watch on the square. Uh, we used to always meet up at either my house or one of my friends' house or go to the barbershop, you know, catch a Saturday morning, you know, you try to get a haircut, find out a haircut and catch the game on TV you know, <laughs> so with everybody in there talking. And hopefully that, you know, they put on a good game, you know, because it's all the old heads in there. But I mean, you used to always just think about, man, I'm going to play on that one day. I'm going to be on TV one day. I'm going to play for a national championship one day. And for me to be able to do that and take that next step, man, it's, it was cool. And to see the whole neighborhood and see my whole city rally behind me and really take charge and, and really support me, it was awesome. And not only that, man, but now, how old are you now, 25? 24. 24. You got a whole, <laughs> you got a whole book coming out, man. How does that feel? I mean, you, you are... You know, when you think about athletes, people don't give them the respect that they that they deserve. I mean, not only are you out here being an advocate, but you have a book. Are you trying to change the way that people look at black athletes, people look at athletes in general? Oh, for sure. Athletes in general, but especially, you know, especially with what's going on today, you know, the black athletes and, and really the black quarterbacks um, and being yeah. able to, you know, team up with my, my guy Bernie and my guy David and Quincy Avery and um, my whole team and come together. Man, I, honestly, if I was back in the day when I was in middle school, high school, if you told me I was going to you know, put out a book by the age <laughs> of 24, 25, I would have told you, nah, <laughs> not a chance. I don't even like to read. And, <laughs> I don't even like to read. I'm not even reading the school book. So I'm not man, even. Man, look, I, I, want, I want everybody to know, man, I picked this thing up and you talked about it like a movie. I mean, this is like, this is better than Blindside. I thought that was anyway, trash, but this is a, <laughs> this is a legit book. And as somebody who wrote a book that has some success, we won the New York Times bestsellers list three times. And I'm from a small city called Denmark, where we got three stoplights and a blinking light. Much props to you, man. I know how hard it is. And just feeling that Gainesville love. And I didn't even know you grew up in a place like Harrison Square. So learning so much about you. You know, I never liked you while you were at Clemson. But I love you now, my brother. So, I, before we get into what's going on right now, because, uh, you know, this is it's a cool, dope platform we got. You did something in college football that people people rave about but weren't able to do like in your football mind talk to me about how you were able to crack Nick Saban's defenses going back and you think about that you you put up over a thousand yards against Saban and 75 points in two games against Alabama's defenses on the biggest stage what was that feeling like I mean because Alabama they were just dragging everybody right right I mean it was just a different mindset and it, and it started with me I knew that I feared nothing you know what I'm saying and every time I step on the field I felt you know like mean? you don't you don't fear Will Muschamp Nah, not a- <laughs> <laughs> man. That's Dabo Sweeney's little brother, man. I, I don't even feel right saying that, man. Right. But <laughs> no, but it was just really just bad. I, I knew every time I stepped on on the field versus whoever we played, I was going to be you know the best player on the field, and I want the ball in my hands. So I've always had that mentality coming from where I come from, and and that just kind of spread throughout the team. And we just came together, played as one, played with love and passion, and you know we we end up getting through them. Were they as tough as people said they were? Because you oh, shredded yeah. them. Yeah, they were They were good. Both times, they were good. You know, the first time we lost by 5, 45 to 40 in Arizona. But the second time, that defense, I mean, all those guys, if you look on the NFL roster, all those guys 
on the NFL defense in 2016. They're starting on the NFL team right now. That's that's crazy. And y'all shredded them. Yeah, that was the NFL team we played against. Talk to me about that last play, though. That was the Hunter play, right? Hunter Renfro when you rolled out? Yeah. He was wide open, man. I could have I could have caught that. <laughs> we, we knew. We knew exactly because once they – What was it called? Tell me what, what was it called. I can't remember the play. We, we motioned the running back in. It was like a roll. So I think we called it rope like switch or something like that. I can't exactly remember the name, but we knew once we get inside of the five, they were cover zero. Cover zero is all our blitz and everyone in man coverage. And so we knew that, you know, once we do that, if we do like a little switch route, you know, they're going to get lost. And Hunter Renfro was the best guy to do that because he was patient enough and he had, you know, secure hands that. Yeah, he wasn't dropping nothing. Just, you know, flip it out there. Man, you know how hard it is to be a Carolina fan when Clemson winning national championships. Man, that's, I'm depressed thinking about it, man. Anyway, we're going to move on. Hey, tell me about last year, y'all, you went to the Pro Bowl. Yes, last sir. Last year, y'all y'all won a playoff game, y'all got, but then y'all got beat by the uh, the Super Bowl champions. What was different about last year than your first couple of seasons, and how do you build on last year's success? Um, I feel like it was health. Um, it was health and being able to play 16 games and then some more because the NFL season is long. It's long. It's very tough. Um, it wears down on your body, and definitely, you know, having all the guys healthy and having all the guys fresh by the playoffs was very key. Um, the first time we went to the playoffs, you know, we played the Colts. That was our like, third or fourth time playing them. Very disciplined team. We didn't have, you know, all the guys. I think D Hop was hurt. I mean, everyone was hurt. And then last year, you know, we kind of rode rode back against Buffalo, and then uh, you know, we had a great lead in the first half versus the Chiefs, and then we just kind of went downhill from there. We just kind of, you know, hit the, you know, the break. Um, yeah. But um, I feel like just kind of, you know, bringing everyone together, you know, and it's really experience. We had a young team, but now we've got a veteran squad that played a lot of football. So I feel like this year we have an opportunity to even go further. Talk to me about this year, though. I mean, what are the conversations like in the league? You see the NBA is going through it right now with COVID. Are y'all talking about it yet? When are y'all going back to practice? I mean, what's, going, what's that look like? Yeah, they say everything will start on time. End of July, training camp. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. Exactly. We haven't heard anything exactly how we're going to do it. If they're going to let people go home during training camp, we're going to be quarantined in a hotel um, and try to, you know, stay away from people. But that's kind of hard. You know, people got families and kids. I mean, so how do you weigh what's best for you and your family? I mean, you just go out there and play and let the chips fall where it may. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's risky because you don't know, you know, there's so many people. You don't know who have it or, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It just kind of can spread through that way because, you know, football is a contact. You don't hit each other. It's I know. Of, Lot of spit, everything. Can you, know I'm saying? can you imagine playing football with no fans, though? That'd be tough. I've never experienced it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Even Pee Wee, you got you know, you got the parents in the stands. You don't have nobody in the stands. That's crazy. We can hear everything you're calling out, everything you're saying. Everything. That it'll be it'll be wild. And that won't even be the hard part. The hard part is just really just the energy. Just like damn, when we score, it's just like it's quiet. All you hear is just <laughs> <laughs> you know so. Yeah, so let's switch gears a little bit. Talk to me. Yeah, I saw you in this Black Lives Matter video. Thank you, by the way. Um, sure. You and all the players speaking up. How did that video come together? And were you worried about any pushback from the league or from ownership of the, of the Texans or anything like that? Not at all. Uh, the pushback, we wasn't even worried about. It started with, uh, I want to say, Mike Thomas and a couple of older guys. And they contacted everyone in the video. And we got in like a group chat. And, you know, we came together. And uh, we kind of put it together very, very fast uh, because we all knew we were all on the same page. We all were, you know, on board. And uh, that's something that we want to, you know, speak out about. 
um, with everything going about, we wasn't even worried about the NFL or what our organization had to say because that's how we feel. And that's why, you know, we've been feeling that way for a long time. And this was a perfect opportunity for us to come out and say it. Man, I, I was so proud of y'all. And then you and D-Hop, I mean, you guys came together to talk about taking down the Calhoun and Ben Tillman statues from your days at Clemson. I mean, and thank you for that. I mean, you it's like you're I mean, do you recognize the power? Do do you guys do do quarterbacks and athletes, do you all recognize the power you have now? Because you and D Hop did something that should have been done a long time ago from Clemson and y'all made them do it. I honestly I feel like this is the perfect 2020 with everything going on from the pandemic and the social justice and everything that's going on. This is the first time I feel like a lot of athletes feel like they have they can feel their power and their their voice. Yeah. Um, even me. I mean, even you know, growing up through high school, through college, I had a lot of power, but I never really said too much because I didn't feel like, you know, what I'm saying, I, I didn't feel like it was a time. I didn't feel like I had enough support behind me to be able to say what I wanted to say. And I was chasing, you know, my dream and, and trying to get out of poverty for my family and things like that. But now I feel like, you know, with everything going on, all that stuff doesn't even matter. Justice and and being able to have, you know, the, the the right way of living and everyone being equal is most important than, you know, all the material stuff. Man, that's so profound, man. Let me ask you, a, I mean, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter. You know, we talk about, I want to ask you a football question, just an honest football question. You look around the league, you got 32 quarterbacks and what, back up on each team, that's 64 quarterbacks. And maybe some some quarterbacks carry, some teams carry three quarterbacks. I don't know. Is Colin Kaepernick good enough to play in the NFL? Not not the political stuff, but is Colin Kaepernick a good enough player to play in the NFL? For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Because <laughs> I, I, I was like, I, I'm up here talking about it on CNN, and people look at me like I'm crazy. But I, you know, I see it. Super Bowl, what, 2012? Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> After that, that's when everything went down. And so he hasn't been able to, you know, show what he got. But I'm pretty sure if he was still on the San Francisco team, he would have probably be playing in the playoffs every year. Yeah. I mean, I, okay. I wanted to make sure I wasn't going crazy. So what's next for you on the social justice front? Have you thought about it? I know you got a book coming out. I mean, and you saw Pat Mahomes just joining forces with uh, LeBron talking about helping people register to vote. Is that, is that one of your focuses? What's next for you on this front? Yeah. I feel like that's the next step is really taking action of voting, changing the inside. And, and for me, I'm still learning myself. Yeah, uh, I'm still growing. I'm still trying to educate myself and educate my family and people around me. So, you know, I feel like, you know, not actually being on that board with, you know, registered voting, but I'm supporting that group. I'm supporting, you know, everything, you know, me and DeAndre Hopkins, we talk a lot. We still want to, you know, continue to get together. I think he's in Houston. So, you know, whenever this COVID thing, you know, kind of settle down, yeah, especially yeah. Like we get together and, you know, do some things. Kenny Stills is my teammate and great friend. So I talked to him. I actually talked to Kaepernick two weeks ago um, about things he was doing. So me just kind of, you know, supporting everybody and really taking charge and, and being, you know, a voice that I can help spread the word. Definitely. And now you see college players speaking up. I mean, I was so proud of your boy Trevor Lawrence for speaking up and using his voice. I mean, and you you feel that change now because when you were in college and even before then, athletes didn't really speak up. But now you're starting to see athletes speaking up on the college level. Right, right. And which is good. And that's what goes back to what I was saying. Athletes feeling like they can they can say even at that level, they can speak up and, and hold their power and have a voice and say what they want to say and control what they can control. Let me ask you about black quarterbacks, because last year was a banner year for black quarterbacks. I didn't even realize this until I was preparing to talk to you. But Pat won the Super Bowl. Lamar won the MVP. You started the Pro Bowl. 
and Russ had a great season. Like, do you finally think that we can, like, put all that bullshit aside about the stereotypes that black quarterbacks have, that they don't have the chops intellectually to play the game? I mean, do you finally think we've turned that corner? Yeah, and I've been fighting that for the longest. I mean, even when I was coming out of college, you know, they were saying that, you know, all the things I did, you know, all the records I broke, things like that. And they were saying that I still wouldn't be able to transfer over to the NFL. And when I got to the, this organization, you know, my coaching staff already knew, like, I mean, this guy's already events, you know, and, and being around so many young, especially black, you know, quarterbacks that is coming out of college and high school. I mean, those guys are very, very smart. They're getting the proper training. Um, they're getting the, the proper education to be able to take that next step and be, you know, a professional. I saw that that reporter try you one time uh, in a in a post game interview about. <laughs> I think we lost that game. That was against Carolina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you you go through things like this, and then you have. Tell me about. I mean, when when you go through, so people don't really know. People listening to the show, they just think that you know you show up, you work out, and then somebody somebody calls you on your phone when you're in the house with your family, and that's how you get drafted. But you go through interviews with these teams, or oh, at yeah. least allegedly. Yeah, you go through interviews, you you meet with them at the pre-draft, you go to their cities and their facilities, they come work you out, wherever you are. I mean, they do everything. I mean, they really, you know, invest in on you to be able to come change their franchise, especially as a quarterback. Well, thanks to you, I mean, and a lot of you guys, you, Russ, Pat, Lamar. I mean, it's just because, you know, you remember people were saying Lamar Jackson should have been a, a running back, a wide receiver. Yeah, a wide receiver, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, nah, I, I knew he was going to be a quarterback. I mean, he's, now you, you know, you don't have to respond to this, but you do know you should have won that Heisman over Lamar, right? I should have won a bat to bat. Oh, so you agree with me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lamar had a hell of a year. You know, he had a hell of a year. But he but lost like four games, though. He lost the last in November. He lost a couple games. That's my dog, though. So he deserved it. The year before, man, I was the first player ever in FBS history to pass for over 4,000 yards and rush for 1,000 yards. Ever, never been done. Johnny Mazzell, Cam Newton. I mean, you go all the way back. And, you know, I came in like third or second, you know, my sophomore year. Derrick Henry won that year. Derrick Henry won that year. But, you know, it is what it is. And uh, we just kind of go from there. (laughs) Uh, I know we're about to get you out of here. Let me talk to you real quick about something that people on social media have been talking about. A lot of people are now saying that blue chip black athletes should consider playing at HBCUs. Did you ever consider playing at an HBCU as I'm rocking the Alabama A&M Bulldogs shirt today? Uh, honestly, no. I never thought about it. And I feel like, honestly, none of those schools came and talked to me. Uh, <laughs> came and talked to the other guys. They would come by the, you know, the schools at, at high school and come out of class. And, you know, they would talk to my teammates. And then they would say what's up to me. But they wouldn't like. You know, they wouldn't show any type of interest. So, of course, I was committed to Clemson, and I want to play big-time college football. Um, I what do these like, schools need to do, though? What did, what would they need to do to recruit a player, a Deshaun Watson caliber player? I mean, honestly, they would have to show – it would have to start with the the, the student not, – not the student body, but it would have to start with, the you know, the, the facilities and things yeah, like yeah. that. But, like, that's the biggest part. You know, no one wants to go to – you know, you're coming from a big-time high school – and your facility is better than your college facility. No one <laughs> wants to downgrade. You feel me? And it's nothing against that university. You know what I'm saying? But that's just how it goes, especially for, for football. Basketball yeah. is a different story. You know, basketball is a different story. That's what's up. That's what's up. So I know you got the – before I let you go, I know you got the Deshaun Watson Foundation. Tell me what's going on with that. Anything new going on with the Deshaun Watson Foundation? Yeah, yeah. We wanted to – especially, I mean, like I said, the COVID is, is really slowing everything down. But, you know, really – Coronavirus trying. won't let us be great, man. Yeah. 
But, you know, the foundation still is, is still going forward, still on track and, you know, making sure that we're getting, you know, the proper um, education out towards these, you know, private communities, especially around in Houston and back in Gainesville. And then also, you know, building houses and, you know, making sure that these school systems are, you know, making sure that the young kids are having an opportunity to fulfill their futures. That's what's up, man. Your book is dope. I'm proud of you, man. All the things you're doing. You and D-Hop, I, I mean, I never thought I'd be sitting here talking about Clemson players like this, man. But <laughs> I'm so, like, I, I truly am so proud of you. That wouldn't Trevor Lawrence wouldn't be doing the things he's doing in terms of social justice if it wasn't for people like you. You know, you were really changing the whole paradigm. And so congratulations and props to that. And thank you and to your whole team for allowing you to come on the Bakari Sellers podcast for a few minutes. 